If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on vSEN, the sports betting network. Football playoff season is here, baby. It's time to download the BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app as we start our number two betting across America. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Femi and Bebefe, Adam Burke, coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. It's not all NFL action this weekend here, Adam. We got UFC 270. Dave Ross will join us at 11.45 to discuss that. But college basketball, more than 100 games on today's slate. And to help us get ready for them is Simon Gersberg of College Basketball Handicapper at ShotQuality.com. Simon, appreciate you joining us here on Betting Across America. Got to start off with this game that's about to tip off between Kentucky and Auburn. I'm looking at the latest line right now. The Tigers, four and a half point favorites, total 149 and a half. Any value in this game? whether it be the side or the total in this SEC showdown? So this game does not have much value. It leans slightly. So basically just background on how shot quality works. Basically, we calculate the quality of shots of each game and then break down which teams are due for positive and negative regression. So, for example, if a team misses a lot of open threes, there's a very good chance that Vegas would then undervalue them throughout mm-hmm. the season. In this particular game, uh, we side with one and a half points of value, which isn't necessarily really a play. Uh, for Auburn, but a little bit of value towards Auburn in this game. It's interesting. I was looking at this Texas Longhorns team because they have a big game coming up here later on today, but they've lost three of their last four. So before we get into the game today, I just want to ask you, what's going on with Texas? Chris Beard's the head coach there. They've lost three of their last four, including this past Tuesday as 10-point favorites against Kansas State. What, in your opinion, is wrong with this Texas team? So this is a very fascinating team. So over the three of the last four games they've lost in reality, based off the quality of possessions they've got in three of the last four, they actually were expected to win the game. So that's basically what we do at shock quality. We use over 90 different variables to break down who is getting higher quality of possessions. So for example, in the Kansas state game, the game that they lost by one, they were expected to win the game by five based off the quality of shots that Kansas state got 
and Texas got. And then the Oklahoma State game uh, on the 8th that they lost by 13, based off the shots they were supposed to get, they were expected to win by one. So there's actually not that much wrong with Chris Beard's team right now, and this is just mostly due to variance. And that is obviously a good sign for them moving forward because it's not that they're getting worse shots or allowing better looks. It's more so that it's just not falling right now, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Texas right now, nine and a half point favorites against Oklahoma State. This game tips off in about an hour. 125 and a half is the total. So I want to add, we'll stay in the Big 12 here, and we'll talk about this Baylor and Oklahoma game. I mean, Baylor, obviously, you know, a top five team by a lot of the metrics that are out there. Are you seeing are your numbers in line with what other places are showing as Baylor's a top five team? And you know, look, they're just a pretty small favorite here against Oklahoma. So, yes. So we have, there's not really much value in this game just because Oklahoma is one of those major positive regression teams for us on the website. Uh, they, for example, even their most recent game against Kansas, this was one of the biggest differences of the entire season, actually. So they lost the game by three to Kansas uh, four days ago. But based off the quality of possessions they got in this game, we're expected to win the game by 11. And that drastic difference has such an impact on, obviously, the public swaying the money and, obviously, just the lines the way they're made. So even though that they were supposed to lose that tight game against Kansas, that was not how the game actually played out in just terms of quality of possessions. And, obviously, that has a major impact on how the value will sway. In terms of Baylor, uh, we think Baylor's, obviously, I think we have them currently on the site as a top six team, uh, which is probably right around where... Uh, the Lions and Ken Palm and Vegas obviously has them. We're speaking with Simon Gersberg, college basketball handicapper at shotquality.com. This is some fascinating stuff here. Looking at the shot quality for teams and how it maybe find a little bit of value. Teams who are undervalued and overvalued in the market. Got to ask you about LSU here, Simon. Best defensive team in the country according to the metrics, but they're in danger of losing a third straight game. They're taking on Tennessee later on this afternoon. Is this just a tough stretch for this team here, or is there something wrong going forward with Will Wade's bunch? There's been something wrong with them for a while. Uh, the major reason, so shot quality for a while has been very off on LSU. They are probably, I think, 20 spots lower on shot quality than Kempom. And that's because teams right now are shooting 27% from three against them. Based off the quality of shots that teams are getting against them, they're expected to shoot 34. That 7% difference has such a major impact. Wow. On so many games. So there are so many games that they, they're basically getting, they're just like, they're playing good D, but a majority of it is actually that it's just teams are missing against them. And obviously that usually turns out to hurt them in the future. So we have them much lower value than uh, uh, Vegas and other teams do right now. Simon, sticking with the, some of the teams that are kind of graded as the top teams here in the nation, one team that I've been paying very close attention to is Arizona because not only are they efficient on both ends of the floor, they play at a fast tempo, so they're able to cover a lot of those bigger numbers that they end up facing. But you look at the Wildcats here. They play Cal on Sunday, but then they're on the road at UCLA on Tuesday, and then they're home against UCLA on February 3rd. So how good is this Arizona team, and what do you expect from them when they've got those games against UCLA or an upcoming game against USC? I think the market knows how good Arizona is. And obviously this is a crazy tough stretch coming up for them, but I think they are probably a top two team in college basketball right now with Gonzaga. Like right now on the site, we have them number one by a pretty significant amount. And just eye test wise, I feel like a lot of the reason that they're undervalued, I mean, Vegas, not really undervaluing them as much, but maybe other sites. It's just because of the preseason ratings baked in switching from Mark few uh, from coach Miller. 
that is just such a major impact in their overall shot selection, just the way the quality of shots they're getting. And just this season in a vacuum, they are playing unreal and probably uh, them and Gonzaga, I think are top two in the nation right now. Well, Simon, would you say, is there another team that you think is undervalued just on a broad, from a broad center? You talked about how LSU is a little overvalued just because teams have kind of just been missing the good looks that they get against the Tigers. Which team, in your opinion, is a little undervalued in the market here that we can maybe get some value in the futures market? Kansas, Kansas State today. So Kansas right now is favored by six. Um, but in Kansas State's last two games that they've played, so they beat Texas Tech by 11 and they beat Texas by one. Based off the quality possessions they got in both those games, Texas Tech was a 50-50 game. It was basically the expected score had it 55-56. And the Texas game, they were expected to lose by five. So I think Vegas is really overvaluing them right now. And the major reason is this negative three-point defensive regression that I was talking about with LSU. It's very similar. So Kansas State gives up the 348th most open threes in the country. But teams are shooting 26% from three. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so this is why it's just such a major reason uh, our our uh, line calculator has basically Kansas by 12 rather than um, uh, Kansas by six, which is the spread. So one of the things that I've noticed from a college basketball standpoint, from betting it, from following it, from really following the metrics, generally speaking, a lot of the good teams are lined pretty tight. But I like to look at a lot of the under-the-radar conferences, mid-majors, low-majors. I'm sure you're the same way, especially when it comes to the betting side. So can you throw out a couple of teams that are kind of on your radar as teams that maybe aren't being priced accurately in the market, especially from the, the mid-major and the low-major ranks? Yeah, so just game today, uh, this is another one, Longwood Presbyterian. Uh, I don't even know if that's technically mid-major. That might be more low-major. but um, <laughs> <laughs> We love it nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> Presbyterian is plus three in the game, and we basically have Presbyterian winning the game by four. So. Uh, that basically comes down to Longwood and their most recent game beat Campbell by eight, but based off the quality possessions, they got, they were supposed to lose by four. Currently teams are shooting 40% from three against Presbyterian, but are expected to shoot 35. So it's, I feel like a lot of like, I'm talking about this a lot. A lot of it comes down to defensive and offensive three point regression. And that's really where our site is just so valuable in terms of finding the value because, uh, Vegas has a little trouble realizing what's really who's getting the higher quality of possessions. Obviously that's what we're doing at shot quality on our end. So that's why we have Presbyterian by four in this game, even though uh, Vegas hasn't by plus three. We got about one and a half minutes left here, Simon. I want to ask you about the UCLA Bruins. They were on a long pause. We haven't had much data on this team. Do you feel like your metrics have a good grasp on UCLA? Right now at BetMGM, they're 20-1 to to win the national title here, but they're one of the top five teams heading into this season, going to the Final Four a year ago. Where do you, are, where do you stand right now on this Bruins team, and do you have enough data to really kind of judge where they're at? So they're interesting. So they obviously they take some of the most mid-range shots in the country, but they're damn good at it because they have Johnny Juzang, they have Tiger Campbell, who are great mid-range shooters. Um, overall, we have them right now not as a top five team like they started the year as people predicted. Right now we have them 25th on the site just based off the quality possessions they're getting so far. Uh, they have a tough stretch coming up against Arizona, Colorado, Cal, Stanford. Uh, so I think after this five-game stretch, we'll probably have a better sense of where they lie. But right now, just so far and what they've done so far, uh, we do not see them as too good of a team or elite team, I guess I should say. Obviously, they're a very good team. Simon, this is some awesome stuff that you have for us. We'd love to have you on in the future. He is Simon Gersberg, college basketball handicapper of shotquality.com. We wish you the best of luck later on today and hope to talk soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys.
That's some interesting stuff there. LSU, he's not a believer. And it's almost kind of like the way he was describing it. It was like the New York Knicks in the NBA last year where their defensive metrics were a little inflated because people were just missing open threes against them. It's kind of the same situation here with this LSU team this year. Yeah, absolutely. I love that style of handicapping. It's something I do. I write a couple of articles weekly for Point Spread Weekly about that, kind of looking at regression to the mean candidates, teams that you know have some outlier performances and all that. I love that style of handicapping, and I think it's pretty effective too. Yeah, definitely in college basketball because these teams they tend to they're college kids, so the swings are pretty wide there. And uh, after a good shooting performance, if you can kind of fade a team, the next time they're out on the floor tends to be pretty profitable. All right, on the other side, we'll get back to the gridiron. A look at the the NFL divisional round trends that you need to know. It's betting across America here presented by BetMGM. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops, you mentioned it when we were talking to Simon there. Over 100 college games, and Hoops Peterson hits every college game during that Coast to Coast Hoops podcast. He is a machine. He is a machine. (laughs) Like, the way he handicaps these games, every single one, and this is, like, like Presbyterian, all this stuff that we're talking about with Simon. Like, you can get that on that Coast to Coast Hoops podcast because Greg Peterson is an experience, as his name is rightfully 
uh, rather, this show is rightfully named after that indeed. It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe, Adam Burke. We're keeping our eyes on college hoops. The game between Kentucky and Auburn just tipped off right now. It's a commercial. We'll keep that thing updated. But we wanted to get back to the NFL divisional round here. This is the big thing this weekend. And interesting, for the VEASAN subscribers, you've been able to take advantage of this information all throughout the football season. If you haven't, there's still time because we've got seven games left in the NFL. But Steve Mackinan does a great job of just kind of picking out some interesting trends that have to do with that week and have to do with the teams in general. And one trend from his article that we wanted to start off here with was straight-up winners also covering the spread. This is interesting. In the divisional round, the outright winner is 29-10-1 against the spread in the last 40 divisional playoff games. Adam, it's what do you make of this trend here with just kind of – it's not – a guarantee that if you pick the winner, they're going to cover. But, I mean, that's a pretty good clip there to be covering ATS-wise. Right, absolutely. You know, I, I I hesitate to say this because we do preach the idea of getting the best line because it's yeah. very, very important. But also, it's a relatively small percentage of games where the line comes into play. You know, a lot of times you're going to have an underdog that covers and they also win the game outright or a favorite that covers because they win the game comfortably. And I think that's just kind of what we see here in the divisional round. And it's just it's a small enough sample size to where you can get an outlier like this where it's really, really significant. But I think that largely that's what it is. It's just that you know, the team that wins is going to be the team that covers. And also, too, as we'll talk about with another trend coming up, Sometimes the number one seeds can have a little bit of a problem. You know, they come off that buy. Maybe they get a little bit rusty, something like that. Mm -hmm. That could be a little bit of an issue. But then also, too, something to think about is these wildcard teams, right? They've been playing playoff games four, five, six weeks in a row. Oh, yeah. They're just kind of in that rhythm. Whereas, you know, some of these other teams maybe won a division, coasted for a couple of weeks. Now, all of a sudden, they have to pick it back up again. So, I think you kind of run into some of those situations in the divisional round, too. Yeah, I think it's just – Usually in these playoff games, you see focused efforts. Like, right. like, like you mentioned, like a favorite. If they're up, maybe the back door is not creaked open as much as it is during the regular season. Oh, we're up 10. Who cares if they score? We'll win by three, cover the onside kick, and we go home happy. No, they're trying to stop them from crossing the midfield. And that's how you sometimes get the prevention of those backdoor covers. Or in the case of these underdogs, there's just a lot of them are live in the playoffs. If you like them, there a good chance they're going to be in the game late. And at that point, would you rather have plus 190 in your pocket or your points with the minus 110? Right. And I also think, too, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this already. That Bill's Chiefs line is one and a half. You know, that Rams Bucks line is three. You're talking about small numbers they're here, tight. too, because these teams are generally pretty evenly matched. You're talking about the difference maybe just being home field advantage or a team that's a point or two better, you know, on a neutral mm -hmm. field, something like that. That's not a 70-30, you know, kind of proposition. That's a game that's 55-45, you know, 56-44, something like that, where, you know, the underdog is going to win that game a large percentage of the time. And the favorite, if they win the game, it's a small enough number that it's easy to cover. So I think it's also part of that, too, where the lines are just pretty small, typically, for the divisional round. Another interesting trend that Steve brought up in his article, once again, you can see this on vcin.com for the subscribers, great information all throughout this NFL season as we wrap up the regular season and the playoffs. The side, Adam, that the, the side that had line moves in their direction are 22-10 and 10 ATS since 2009. So for this year, the consensus early moves seem to be on Tennessee, Green Bay, Tampa, and Buffalo just, it's interesting that the bet side early in the week is typically the right side. What do you make of that trend that we've seen here since 2009? Yeah, I think this one also makes sense, too, because the lines in theory 
should be the tightest they've been all year for all eight of the teams playing in the divisional round. So what ends up happening is that you don't have some great big line value edge or anything like that, and you get a lot of public money in the market too. So what's mm-hmm. going to happen is the books are going to want to be generally on the side of the smarter, sharper money. So they're going to shift the line that way because they're more worried about the big bets as opposed to the volume of small bets. So these indicators of where the sharp money is, particularly early on in the week, like the teams that you mentioned, you know, those are typically going to be the sides that probably do end up winning in a tight, efficient market. I'll take the sharp, respected, influential betters over what the public's going to do, and I'll do that most of the time anyway. But yeah. I think it's magnified when you get to the divisional round. It's just another thing that just kind of hammers home the point of, like, if the moves that are made in early are typically right, and just if you want to get a jump on these moves, you kind of got to do it early in the week, especially in the playoffs. If you're showing up on Saturday, Sunday, that's why we're here to give you some of that advice on what to do now that it's day of game. But it is very difficult to beat these games early in the week, and it's even that much more difficult to bet on day of game in a playoff game and expect to make money long term because these lines are the tightest of they are the whole season. We know we have 17, sometimes 18 points of data on all these teams at this point, and we know what the true difference is. Like, we've had all that data and all that time, and now it's not like a baseball sample size, but it still is a pretty big sample size in terms of the data that it's kind of – we all agree on what the line should be typically. Yeah, absolutely. And also, too, something to keep in mind is that a lot of times these early week moves, unless it's some kind of injury speculation, they're going to be statistically based in nature. It's going to yeah. be what I call the quant crowd, guys with the models and the spreadsheets and the projections and all that. They're going to be the ones moving these based on how the teams line up statistically. Because when you talk about teams in the divisional round, and you'll have one-off games where one team's minus three in turnover or something like that, typically all these teams are well-coached. They take yeah. care of the football. You know, it's just little differences and nuances that you know a lot of times the stats will pick up on. And that's why the line moves in that direction and ultimately why a lot of those teams win, I think. I want to talk about the number one seeds because they have both of them playing today. The Green Bay Packers at night, the Tennessee Titans kickoff divisional weekend this afternoon. Number one seeds are 25-11 straight up, but just 13-22-1 ATS dating back to 2004. So maybe a little bit of that rust that we've seen because typically it's not just one week of rest. It's maybe you rested in the final week as well, Adam. What do you think about this trend here? Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, you Usually, if you're a number one seed, you have something locked up, whether it's the division or the number one seed. So you don't really play anybody in week 17. It winds up being two weeks off, as you said. Also, too, you know, there's sort of this expectation and this assumption that coming off of a bye is a good thing because you're healthier. And maybe it is. But also, if you're a team like we talked about already, a team that's been playing, a team that's been fighting for its playoff life, a team that, you know, went out there and won last week, I wouldn't call it nerves like I would in, you know, a conference tournament for college basketball or something like that because these are all professional athletes. But there is something to be said about going out there, getting a playoff game under your belt, yeah. you know, and, and just kind of being able to, you know, get into that rhythm, get into that atmosphere that, you know, teams coming off of a bye weren't able to do the previous week. I think these guys are just creatures of habit. Like football yes. players, they say that all the time. They're creatures of habit. They like to stay in rhythm. And when you get that bye week late in the year and it's not a scheduled bye week like we typically have during the regular season, sometimes you come off and you're a little rusty to start out. And a bad half can be all it takes for you to lose a playoff game when the teams are so evenly matched here. Uh, and, oh. One other point, actually, that I just thought about, and I, this is one of the reasons why I don't really like Tennessee. Mm-hmm. In the last eight games, Tennessee's played virtually nobody. So yeah. keep in mind that – you get a number one seed by having a really good record. 
which also means there's a decent chance you played a bad schedule, at least throughout or maybe late in the year. Now all of a sudden you're playing another playoff caliber team. It's kind of a wake-up call. Yeah, I mean, the last tough team they played was the San Francisco 49ers. I'd probably stay on that Thursday night game. And they got out gained by 170 yards. They did, yeah. They can thank Jimmy Garoppolo for the number one seed there. That's <laughs> probably what happened. That Now, interesting, you mentioned Tennessee. Well, this trend applies to them definitely. The number one seed's playing as small home favorites of seven points or less or are on an ugly 4-10-1 ATS slide in the divisional round. That actually applies to Green Bay as well here, but mainly Tennessee being that small favorite of 3-4. Four. 4 is the number right now at BetMGM, but it's a team that they, all the advantages situationally and still not a significant favorite, maybe that's a, a stop sign as well. Right, yeah. I mean, again, number one seed, good record, maybe played a bad schedule. Their number one seed's going to have an elite-level quarterback in most cases, and also they're at home off the bye. The line's going to be inflated because of that. So I think that this does actually make some sense here where, you know, maybe the line is a point or two high where all of a sudden now they're playing a team that's on their level or, you know, pretty close to them. So I think that that's part of the reason for that one. Also, another trend, road underdogs in the three-and-a-half to nine-and-a-half range, so that applies to today's teams, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the 49ers, 22-14-1 ATS in the last 37 tries. But only 11-26 and 26 straight up, so maybe they cover and don't win. So the whole thing about teams that are also winning and covering at the same time, maybe you get a little needle threading going on here later between the Niners as they take on the Green Bay Packers and, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals as they go up against the Tennessee Titans. On the other side, oh, it's that time. Stop, drop, shut them down, open up. Props here on Betting Across America. VEASAN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all-new Big Game Big Dance Special provides VEASAN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to vsan.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vsan.com slash big deal to sign up today. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe, Adam Burke, coming to you from the Visa Studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. It's 1030, and by my watch, it means is that time to stop, drop, shut them down, open up. Props. Let's discuss some of these props for the weekend. These are divisional weekend specials, and we want to start with the most passing yards. Tom Brady, the Bucs quarterback at plus 350, is the favorite. Aaron Rodgers, plus 400. Patrick Mahomes, plus 425. Then you have Matthew Stafford at plus 550, along with Joe Burrow. Josh Allen, plus 650. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, 10 to 1. Ryan Tannehill, 11 to 1. But Adam, I want to focus in on the favorite. Tom Brady, plus 350. Because earlier this week, Bucks head coach Bruce Arians talked about the offensive line injuries to Tristan Wirfs, Ryan Jensen, and how that might impact things for this Tampa Bay team as they host the L.A. Rams. Uh, yeah, we've got a number of different things in the game plan. Uh, Gronk's very, very critical in the passing game to be standing back there blocking too much. But uh, you can use them in different ways. And um, But the guys who are playing have to block their guys. 
<laughs> just Arians with the sunglasses, <laughs> to be honest, Adam. What's going on there? But it's interesting that he mentioned that they're talking about this offensive line thing. How do you think this impacts Brady's passing yards and who might be the beneficiary for this Tampa Bay offense? Yeah, I think the beneficiary is a really interesting thing to try and figure out from a player prop standpoint. But also, too, something that this kind of makes me think about is – you know, Jensen is is the center, so obviously he's a very important guy in terms of calling out blitzers, but also in terms of, you know, creating running lanes. So assuming Wirfs is able to play, and I, I think he probably will at, to what degree he's able to play, I don't really know. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we think of offensive line injuries and we think, oh, you know, they're not going to be able to protect the quarterback and all that. I think maybe it makes teams more likely to try and throw the football, but just to get it out quick which is something that Tom Brady actually excels at and, and pretty much always has. Yeah. You know, he always throws those short passes. They kind of extend the running game by throwing short, you know, gaining five, six, seven yards. Maybe if Fournette's able to go, that's a guy that could wind up getting a lot of touches in the passing game. I think what Arians, if you kind of read between the lines, and I like to do this when the coaches have sound bites from a player prop standpoint, it sounds like to me that they're just going to do what they usually do and just make sure Brady gets the ball out quick. So whether that means the most passing yards, I don't know, but I feel like he's going to have a lot of passing attempts. Yeah, probably the receptions for those Bucks skill guys, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, those are kind of some interesting ones to look at from a player prop-specific standpoint. For the passing yards, it is interesting that with all that we know about Brady likely wanting to get the ball out of his hands quickly, that he's still the favorite at plus 350. What name jumped out to you when you look at this market here with the guys that we have? Brady being the favorite. Jimmy Garoppolo's 10 to 1. I think we're missing a zero there. Should be 100 to 1 with what's going on with his shoulder, hand, and the weather out there. But what's name stood out to you? Josh Allen at plus 650 stands out to me. You know, I, th- I also think Joe Burrow at plus 550, as I talked about when we talked about that game in, in the first hour, that, you know, Tennessee allows a lot of yards per catch, a lot more yards per catch than the Raiders do. So maybe Joe Burrow winds up having a big game. The problem is I don't know if he's going to have the ball enough if, you know, Tennessee is able to run their ball control offense. So, therefore, I go to Josh Allen at plus 650 where, to me, this looks like a game, and I think Brian Dable is going to think the same way. We just have to keep being aggressive down the field because this is a shootout type of game. It could end up being a defensive battle. I don't know. But I think Josh Allen, you know, the ball is in his hands a lot. As long as he's not running for 70, 80 yards, he's probably throwing for 350-plus. So I think Josh Allen at six at plus six fifty is a pretty good look there. We are an absolute lockstep. The two names I put an asterisk next to were Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, uh, just because the the yards that there's a catch with the Cincinnati Bengals. And for somebody who likes Tennessee, I think Cincinnati is going to be trailing, needing to kind of throw their way back into the football game. And Tennessee, their secondary is probably one of the weaknesses of the team. That front seven's really good. Those linebackers are terrific, but the secondary is a little banged up. There's, it's kind of it, you can throw on those guys. So I think Joe Burrow plus five fifty for. Sure. And Allen with the total so high in this Buffalo and Kansas City game. You know, and I actually just sent over the draft of my article on betting props for the Super Bowl because we're going to have our our free Super Bowl guide coming out here uh, after the conference championship games. But that's something I talked about is game state. And I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. If you like Tennessee, the expectation is Cincinnati's trailing throughout the game. If a team is trailing, they're throwing the football. Yes. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a very important point to make for props at any time of the year, but especially as we head towards the Super Bowl here. If you think a team will be trailing, it means they are throwing the football. So that's a great point you made there about Burrow. I think Mahomes and Allen are clearly live in this market here just because of what we expect from that game with the total being so high. Um, I, I, Josh Allen, I just put a star next to him because it was the more plus price. It was plus 650. Mahomes was plus 425. I was like, all right, let me take the long shot here. But I could see Allen getting it done on the ground. His 
rushing yards prop is 50 and a half at most places here. But plus 650, I thought was a fair look for Josh Allen to have the most passing yards in this weekend's divisional contest. The most receiving yards. Who's going to catch these passes? Well, According to BetMGM, the favorite to have the most receiving yards this weekend is Cooper Cup at plus 450. Devontae Adams is 5-1. to one. Jamar Chase, 10-1. to one. Then you have Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown at 11-1. to one. Travis Kelsey and Mike Evans, 14-1. to one. Tyreek Hill, 16-1. to one. And T. Higgins and Rob Gronkowski, 20-1. to one. But what name stands out to you, Adam? One thing I will say real quickly here about the favorite in Cooper Cup, and this will be something that I talk about in the pick segment here later in the show, the Rams are running the football a lot more here of late. So while Cooper Cup seemingly is, is impossible to defend, I don't know how many pass attempts Matthew Stafford has in this game. So I'd be a little bit worried about Cooper Cup. This is one where, you know, we just talked about it. I think you can have a certain level of correlation here where I think Josh Allen winds up winning that most passing yards prop. Stephon Diggs will be his top target in that game. So at 11 to 1, you know, and that's also something too. Josh Allen is plus 650. Stephon Diggs is 11 to 1. If you think Josh Allen's going to throw for a lot of yards, then you you have to look at Stephon Diggs at yeah. 11 to 1, I think. And again, we're not talking about full unit bets on these things for the most part. You don't have to do that at 11 to 1. Uh, yeah, a little, little beer but, money. Little, little, yeah, a little beer and pizza money. You know, I think that that's something that I would definitely look at here where I think Josh Allen has to throw a lot, and I think Stephon Diggs is the guy he throws to. I think in the same breath there, Jamar Chase at 10-1 to 1 is another one there. If you like Joe Burrow at plus 550, we definitely know Joe Burrow's thrown to Jamar Chase, that being his favorite target going back to college. Interesting that Tyreek Hill, though, was sitting there at 16-1. to 1. And just because of the big play ability now – I get it that he and Kelsey kind of have to be in that range because there's two of them and they could take away from one or the other. But Tyreek Hill is probably the best big play receiver in the National Football League. On any given day, he could have 180 yards receiving. So it's just if you want a flyer for this weekend and you think a game is going to be a high total game, if you like the over in Bills Chiefs, maybe a little little bit on Tyreek Hill 16 to 1. Yeah, and I think with some of the guys on the list, for them to have a shot at this, they have to catch – you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 balls. Yeah. Tyreek Hill could catch five and have yeah. 200 yards, you know? So I think you have to factor that in the equation too. The rushing yards one, it's <laughs> the most rushing yards. I laugh because I'm just seeing the numbers so short for a guy who hasn't played since Halloween, but surprise, surprise, Derek Henry, King Henry is the favorite at plus 125. Elijah Mitchell of the 49ers plus 350. Joe Mixon plus 475. Then you see a significant drop. Devin Singletary, Cam Akers at 10 to 1, Aaron Jones 12 to 1, Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny 14 to 1, and Jarek McKinnon at 16 to 1. But what stands out to you, Adam? I don't know if anything stands out to me here. I think it's really tough to look at a guy like Cam Akers because he'll wind up sharing the snaps with Sony Michelle. So you can't really go yeah. with him. Aaron Jones I, I kind of makes some sense to a degree, especially if you think the Packers are leading. We talked about the whole game state thing. If they do wind up feeding Aaron Jones 20 or 25 times, then that's certainly a possibility. I think that the Bengals want to throw the football, so I don't think that Joe Mixon will do it. Elijah Mitchell probably shares some carries with Debo Samuel, Mm -hmm. just almost by process of elimination, even though I'm not convinced that he's going to come back and be the Derrick Henry that we know. I just feel like by process of elimination, Derrick Henry is the one you have to look at. Derrick Henry definitely at plus 125. I don't think I would play it. I would probably just play his player prop over or whatever and not have to worry about other games and what other running backs might do, but – the name that 
stood out to me was Devin Singletary at 10 to 1. And I know that we think this is going to be a high flying game. Allen Mahomes is going to be passing yards, fireworks all throughout Arrowhead Stadium. But Devin Singletary's usage has increased all throughout the last month of this season. And let's say Buffalo gets up big early, like kind of how they did in the first game in week five. They're going to give the ball to Devin Singletary. Like he's kind of turned into their guy and everybody else on this list either shares carries or is in not that big of an advantageous situation. Derrick Henry, he's going to get the bulk of the carries, but he's plus 125. Joe Mixon, he's going to get the bulk of the carries, but he's plus 475, and his team is more than a field goal underdog. Cam Akers, you mentioned how he's splitting carries. Aaron Jones is splitting with A.J. Dillon. Jarek McKinnon is splitting. Who knows what the Chiefs are going to do? Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be back in this game. Fournette, I don't know if Tampa's going to be running a ton here against that Rams front. I think Singletary could be a dark horse to lead the league in rushing yards this weekend. Keep an eye on that name. That's just my guess. There. I like it. I, it makes a lot of sense, especially if maybe they don't want to go up and down the field. They want to keep it. They want to play keep away. Keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. We're not going to keep the ball away from Ryan Wing, though. He's going to join us next. Fox 11 Green Bay talk all things Niners Packers on the other side. It's betting across America. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the pro football playoffs. Simply place a $10 Moneyline wager on any game, and if either team scores a touchdown, you'll win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the playoffs like never before and earn MLife rewards that you can redeem at any MGM resort. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code VEASAN200 to win $200 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown in a pro football playoff game. Visit Bet 
BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Adam Burke here at the VEASAN Studios in the South Point Hotel and Casino. Real quick update in college hoops. Kentucky leads Auburn 29-21. to The Wildcats three-and-a-half-point favorites on the live line. That game closed Auburn by four-and-a-half, but important to note, Kentucky point guard Ty Ty Washington injured his ankle and left that game. So we'll see if he comes back. But just important to note there on the live line, Kentucky is a favorite, but Ty Ty Washington not playing in this game. All right, to help us get ready for tonight's showdown, 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, we bring in Ryan Wing, Fox 11 Green Bay sports director out there in Wisconsin. Ryan, appreciate you joining us here on Betting Across America. Got to start in the obvious place. What's the latest with the Packers injuries? Who should we expect to be out there on the field later this evening? So they activated both Whitney Merciless and Zadarius Smith off of injured reserve yesterday. Matt LaFleur said during the week, if they activated them, they would play. Zadarius, not a big surprise. Whitney Merciless, I think for most of us in the media, he was almost like out of sight, out of mind. We kind of like, because they had said he tore his bicep against the Seahawks earlier this year, and they, they thought he was done for the year. We had, we had no idea, and then they're like, oh, he's back at practice. So he might play. That gives them a lot of depth at outside linebacker with Rashawn Gary and with Preston Smith. The the two question marks still, um, David Bakhtiari and Jair Alexander are questionable. They're probably playing. I would be shocked if Jair doesn't play. I don't think anybody knows exactly how healthy David Bakhtiari is. So, <laughs> so uh, we were actually talking about that earlier. I think, I think Bakhtiari has been questionable every game for the last six years, it feels like. Uh, but as, as far as that defense goes, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in the show. Packers were 30th in yards per carry allowed. They didn't grade very well in DVOA and a lot of the other metrics. I see it nodding there because you know where I'm going with this. How do they stop this San Francisco rushing attack? I don't know because Kyle Shanahan is such a great schemer of the run game. You get Debo in the backfield, he's a mismatch. You get use check in the backfield, he can be a mismatch because if you have a linebacker, on Debo, you're in trouble. I wonder if maybe, I, I heard this somewhere else, so I'm not going to take credit for this idea. Maybe do they have Devondre Campbell spy him? Wherever Debo goes, you look to see maybe Devondre Campbell goes with him. I don't know if that works, especially because if he's as a wide receiver, he's going to win that matchup. Maybe as a running back, it can be a little bit easier for Devondre to guard him, but I don't know. Devondre has been huge for them. We're speaking with Ryan Wing, the sports director at Fox 11 in Green Bay. Here, Ryan, we talked about the rushing game here for the Packers, or rather for the 49ers. Well, the 49ers also have a really good pass rush. Nick Bosa cleared concussion protocol. Do you see this Packers O-line holding up against the 49ers defensive line that we saw give the Dallas Cowboys problems just a week ago in the wild card round? I do. They actually they kind of neutralized Bosa when they played in week three. And remember, Bakhtiari didn't play at all in that game. Yes, they had Elton Jenkins then, but Josh Myers is back now. Their line has really been decimated this year by injuries. Billy Turner is supposed to be back for the first game today, so he'll be playing. Their line has done really, really well. Credit Adam Stenovich, their offensive line coach. No matter who's been in there, they've had like third-string guys in there. They really haven't dropped off that much. I'm really not that concerned about their offensive line, 
even if for some reason Bakhtiari doesn't play. No, I saw a tweet yesterday, I believe it was, from somebody on Twitter, at ClevTA, who, uh, very sharp and analysis guy, I think he's with Sharp Football or, or somebody like that, I apologize for getting that wrong, but he talked about the splits for Aaron Rodgers with and without Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So that's something I think it's a really – it's not being talked about enough here that Valdez-Scantling is, is seemingly questionable for this game. Do you think he goes? And if so, how limited is he going to be? He's doubtful. So I'd be surprised if he played. And you're right. That does make a difference just because he can do a great job of kind of taking the top off the defense, trying to get that safety to go with him on a go route and then – what are you doing with Devontae? Nobody knows how to defend Devontae anyways. The team that did it the best this year was the Ravens, and they put two guys on him at all times. I don't know if the 49ers can do that. Devontae's going to eat no matter what. So I, I think you almost just have to be like, let him get his. And kind of it's kind of like the basketball analogy. Like, there's a great player. Maybe you just let that dude score and try to shut off the rest of the offense. Maybe you try to do that with Devontae, but... I don't know. This 49er secondary, I know Ambry Thomas is questionable. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Devontae really thrives against anybody. So It's interesting. We were talking about it during the break when you first joined us that the weather in Green Bay is going to be ridiculously cold, talking about 11 degrees or so around kickoff here. Is this going to be a clear advantage for the Green Bay Packers, or are we making way too much about the weather in this game? I think it's a combination. Uh, I think we are making a little bit too much, but it is an advantage. Like it, Jimmy Garoppolo is from Illinois. So he's played in cold weather before. And it's not like San Francisco is like the warmest place in California, but it's not 12 degrees, you know? <laughs> so it, they're, they're not going to be used to it. The Packers are used to it. I think the biggest key to this game is the Packers need to get off to a strong start. Because in their two losses to the 49ers in the 2019-2020 season during the regular season and in that NFC Championship game, they trailed 23-0 and 27-0 at halftime. If they can get off to a strong start and make Jimmy G throw when he's not 100% in not warm weather, I don't think there's any way the 49ers can win. Something that I think none of us do a good job of is handicapping special teams when it comes down to these <laughs> games. So I think that's really important to look at for this game too. Do you feel like there's a special teams edge one way or the other? Yes. And it's not with the Packers. I know Rick Gosselin came out with his special teams ratings and the four teams alive in the NFC are both. I, I think they're all below like 21st. The Packers are dead last. The 49ers aren't that much better. Mason Crosby really struggled in the middle of the season. He's been much better lately with like the, the, just the snapping, the holding, they had their issues. He's been better lately. I kind of view it as like a golfer just trying to get the ball in the fairway. It seems like Crosby is just kicking it smooth. He hasn't had to kick a lot of long field goals, but they've had their issues there. They've had their issues on special teams. I'm intrigued to see who returns punts because Amari Rogers has really struggled there. They put Randall Cobb back there. Um, before he got hurt, he muffed a punt. David Moore, who they picked up from the Seahawks, they did not, at least as of, I believe, Friday, maybe even Thursday, they did not activate him yet off the practice squad. Now, they might do that today. I think he's their best option if they do that. But the 49ers have the edge on special teams. Yes. Ryan, we got about a couple minutes left here. I want to squeeze in two more questions with you. What do you think this game looks like from a scoring perspective? Because a lot of times people think cold weather means lower scoring games, but it's more so the wind that is the big factor in the scoring. 
what do you think we see? Is this going to go over under the total right now sitting around 47? Yeah, I'm just looking up right now what the wind's supposed to be like today. It's, we got about 8 to 10 miles an hour tonight around 7 o'clock, so not crazy. I know you and I have talked about it, that Bills-Patriots game last week. Everybody was like, oh, under, under, under. Mm-hmm. ton of points scored. I think the over is the play here, 47 and a half. The Packers in every single playoff game under Aaron Rodgers have scored at least, I believe, 21 points. I don't think either defense is really that good. I don't. I don't see. I could easily see this being a 30-25 game. Real quick before we let you go, we got to get you your prediction. Is that the prediction that you're going with there, 30 to 25, or do you? Uh, what do you want to be on the record for? I, I don't want to be on the record yet, <laughs> but since you're going to put me on the spot, uh, I, I think the Packers win, but I don't. I, I don't think they cover. I think. Oh. I think the Packers probably win like 31, 27, 31, 28. It wouldn't shock me if Mason Crosby hit another walkoff field goal. He's hit two in the four games against the 49ers in their, or two in the last five games. He's hit walkoff field goals. Wouldn't shock me if it's that again tonight. Boy, that would be a classic game for us coming up later on tonight. Green Bay Packers hosting the San Francisco 49ers is five and a half point favorites, total 47 and a half. He is Ryan Wing, the sports director at Fox 11 in Green Bay. Ryan, always a pleasure to chat with you. We'll talk soon. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks guys for having me on. Really appreciate it. That's interesting. I think the point that he brought up about Packers having to start fast is a very key point for live betting because if you see Green Bay come out slow and San Francisco is kind of able to establish that run. Maybe you take a shot with the Niners live. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And that is something that's been a strength for Matt LaFleur has been his game scripting. They've been a very good first half team for the most part. If that rust factor is there that we've talked about a few different times, that could be a problem for Green Bay. Going to be a fascinating game when this one kicks off at 515. On the other side, we're going to take a peek, see if there's a little value in the futures market with seven games left in the NFL. It is betting across America presented by BetMGM. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.